Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to another edition of inside supercars this week joining me to discuss all the topics of the week uh, from Wyndon motor raceway it's lachlan mantle good evening lachlan Good evening, Craig. Let's not forget, you're also from Wakefield Park. I know that one's close to your heart as well. And from Race Facts, Tony Whitlock. Evening, Lachlan, Craig. Interesting weekend ahead. The Winton race, 30 years, Lachlan, since the first Australian touring car round was held there. Championship round, I should say. Yeah, indeed. The first round of the Australian touring car championship at Winton was back in... 1985, and that was the realisation of a long-term vision from the, the now Rawho Club, who obviously built Winston Motor Raceway back in 1961, and also the management of Winston Motor Raceway, which Michael J. Ronk was the, the uh, quite iconic, um, I suppose, personality behind the growth of Winton Motor Raceway and that round back in 1985 was also the very first race meeting for the Group A specification race cars and it was won by Jim Richards in the BMW 6 Series. Tony, you would have been covering the racing back then, I'm sure. No, no, I I spent about a 20-year hiatus uh, from the sports when uh, advertising lured me to it, or back to it, I should say, Um, 70s and then back in the 90s. uh, My only motorsport appearance in 85 was at uh, the Adelaide Grand Prix, the inaugural uh, International Australian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to Winton in the uh, in the 70s uh, when it was the short track, the 2.4 track, and vividly remember the uh, opening day of the uh, new elongated uh, Winton. Um, it was uh, something else, suddenly this big, long Winton. You know? <laughs> yes, and uh, it has had a interesting relationship with many of the drivers in the sport, of course. Russell Ingle famously said of Winton, it's like running these cars around your hill's hoist. And no, no, that was Dick. I thought that was Dick Johnson. Oh, was yeah. it? I thought it was yeah. Russell Ingall. So there you go, it was Dick Johnson. No, no, no. Don't, don't credit Russell with more than he, he's done. <laughs> well, what Russell, what Russell Ingall did do at Winton, though, was score his one and only oh. V8 Supercars career pole position, which was in 2001. <laughs> yes, indeed. Aboard a Larry machine, yes. Yeah. And it caused a lot of controversy last year, Lachlan, as he uh, he used the chrome horn, as they would say over in America, to uh, make some late race passes when he got the tyre strategy right. Yeah, but on his way through the field, he also made contact with another competitor and then copped a penalty from the stewards and then made some quite derogatory comments about the stewards <laughs> after the race, which uh, were not received very well and resulted in uh, 
his uh, bank balance being lighter than a little, shall we mm-hmm. say. And one of the worst television apologies I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will move on because it's interesting, and I know, uh, Tony, you love stats, Lachlan loves stats, and last time a driver had swept the round at Winton was 2010. It was James Courtney, and it was when it was a one race each day, two races over the weekend format. Of course, we've got three races now, and we'll talk about that more uh, in another segment. But uh, firstly to you, Lachlan, can you see anyone taking the sweep, or is this three-race format just too difficult to do? At Winton, I don't think it'll happen. One of the things that we have seen at Winton in the past is that the track conditions really do change throughout the weekend, and especially with such a diverse support categories and all their different tyre brands and compounds as well. The track will evolve throughout the weekend. So I reckon that it might even be like last year where we get three different wins from three races. Mm. Now, Tony, last year the track came under fire somewhat because there was a, a compound put onto the surface which was in the goal of trying to give back an old track a bit of life. And uh, it's it, it came under fire, as I said. Yes, uh, the ceiling compound. Yeah, that wasn't uh, well received or well thought of by many people. Um, the uh, the thing, of course, that um, not so much the race winners the last time, yeah, Courtney in in, in 2010, but it's the ability of people to actually qualify up the front in all their races or on the front row in all their races. That's the thing that seems to have uh, well and truly uh, been lost in recent times. Being up for th- over three different uh, qualifying sessions, I think, is a, a real challenge for these drivers and teams. Mm. It, it's going to be an interesting weekend because we've certainly seen the Fords have a lot more form of late. And Lachlan, as you're doing your race, you know, your race stats and race previews, you'll you'll see that the Ford teams have had their moments in the sun at Winton, but there's certainly not a regular fixture there. Although, in saying that, Mark Winterbottom was pretty strong at Winton last year, and I think that the circuit will suit the characteristics and strengths of the pro-drive racing strange Falcons. So while maybe statistically it hasn't been a super strong ground for Ford, I think they'll be competitive this weekend. Mm. And the basis of that saying how he had a good round last year was he had two pole positions, Tony. Look, the team seems to be well and truly revitalised since the Grand Prix They've been able to recapture that form they lost in Tasmania. So I'll get your pre. I'll get your race favourites now, Lachlan. You're saying you're going to have to pick three winners. Uh, that's a tough ask. Uh, yeah. So do you want me to pick three different winners? You can one, do whatever you like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, one of the interesting things about Winston is when I went back through the stats. Triple Eight Racing have not had a race victory at Winton in the car of the future era. So it's actually been a bit of a bogey track for both Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup recently. Uh, Brad Jones Racing is always very strong there, so I think Fabian Coulthard will win one of the races. And he had a pair of poles there last year, so, yeah. And also Dale Wood had his... uh only podium of his career so far from memory? Uh, James Courtney always goes well there as well, so I think he might win a race too. And 
Oh, let's throw in a smoking, let's say, James Moffat for, for Nissan, because it is one of the circuits where Nissan have been strong and they've taken their one and so far only win of the V8 supercar era at Winton, which was James Moffat back in 2013. Mm. It's, it's going to be interesting. What about you? A winner from you, Tony. Um, well, I, I think I've, I've got to say one of those pro-drive cars. Maybe Reynolds uh, will finally get his back up there again, um, or Mostert. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Van Gisbergen is uh, due to get back into the, in the winner's circle. Um, but, you know, yet again, it comes back to that qualifying thing, and, and it's hard to go past Brad Jones and uh, he's, he, one of their three drivers being, uh, being up there. Well, it's going to be an interesting weekend uh, for sure. You can hear Inside Supercars now on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. You can download your free app today and listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is allowing you to discover from 20,000 news, entertainment and sports shows, and, of course, Inside Supercars is there as well. You can create a custom playlist over Twints available in Apple, Android, Nook, iPad, all sorts of formats, and available in over 4 million car dashboards right now. On demand, on the go. If you don't have Stitcher, download it free today at stitcher.com.au or in the App Store. We might have done the Wyndham preview in the, on Inside Supercars, but after the break, we're going to talk politics, gambling, and a whole bunch more. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to uh, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're joining me, Lachlan Mansell and uh, Tony Whitlock. And more tyres are going to be available this weekend. The uh, commission, Lachlan, has made a well a quick decision to give teams a extra set of practice tyres on the Friday. They have. Um, the problem is, though, that they then have to give that set of tyres back after Friday. The benefit, as far as spectators go, is that it'll give a more accurate indication of where teams are at on Friday after practice because it won't leave everybody guessing as to what their tyre banks are like for those Friday practice sessions. Uh, The problem is, though, that the races that have been compromised by the lack of tyres have been, in particular, the 60-kilometre sprint races on Saturday. Now, what really would have helped would have been more tyres and probably the soft compound tyres for those races, but because Dunlop have already scheduled in their tyre allocation for the season, it's not that easy for them to just be able to make a, a snap decision to introduce uh, new sets of soft compound tyres for use during the races. So, um, unfortunately, I think at Winton this weekend, as we've seen throughout the other 60k sprint races at the other events so far this season. It really is going to be all about qualifying, and I can't really see the race winner in uh, either of those 60k races coming from anywhere but the front row of the grid. 
Tony, is this where you want to segue into your thoughts on the on the race formats for this year? Um, first of all, Lachlan, it's not giving us a more accurate ride. We're actually getting a guide because before they had this set of tyres, there was no guide because you had no idea who was on what tyres, who was using soft, who was using hards, and what the standard of those tyres was. So there was no guide whatsoever to the point where an ex-team owner had said recently... There's no point watching Friday because you can get no gauge on it. And that's the same for all the engineers and drivers up and down pit lane. From what I understand, Warburton read the comments <coughs> that James Phelps had reported from Adela- uh, from um, Pert Barbagello on the uh, last Saturday's, uh, or the Saturday before's um, Daily Telegraph, and those comments struck home with Warburton where he realised he had to act because having suddenly all this television coverage of where you couldn't tell who was where or what because who knows what they're on. Mm. I, I mean, you know, finally V8 supercars woke up and reacted. But this other you know, thing now, they're looking at race lengths. A survey, I won't quote the medium it was, <laughs> comes from, but where 94% of the people said, yes, they want longer race than 60 kilometres. For Christ's sake, you don't get out of bed for less than 200. Well, interesting. I don't. We can certainly say that it was uh, uh, Stefan and Gordon at Speed Cafe that had that poll. I don't have a problem with that. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I, you know, no, I don't have a problem with that at all. I'm, uh, I'm not trying to steal uh, data or information from somebody else, but I just thought it was <laughs> worthwhile reporting that 94 percent of the people said the race length is wrong. They're too short. Well, and you were you were probably about a hundred percent of that ninety percent too. <laughs> As somebody who started reporting on this sport 24 years ago, I used to loathe the 20 lap dashes I used to have there, particularly when they have three of them in a day, as they were when I first started, trying to get round all the different teams to find out what happened. And is that the second race? I thought that in the third race. No one could remember from one to the next. So unless you got between all of them in between the races, it was hopeless. Lachlan, uh, your feelings, you've Obviously, you. I think we and we spoke. You had uh, you had trialed the Friday and Saturday on Foxtel Go. Um, yeah, and I do now have the full Foxtel package. I have to say as well. I I haven't actually had a chance to sit down and watch a V8 Supercar weekend. And obviously, once again at Winton this weekend, I I won't get to do that. And I will record it and uh, see how the Friday practice coverage comes across. What I can tell you though. Is that I'm actually going to have the challenge of commentating it alongside Chad Nalon, the series commentator, and commentating long practice sessions where you've got no idea who's on what tyre and trying to make sense of it and make it interesting for the spectators is one of the most challenging jobs that you can do as a motorsport commentator. Yeah, it is, uh, it is a tough gig, and I have to say the job that Chad's doing is uh, absolutely first class because... There's a lot of sow's ears out there that he's trying to uh, do some sewing on. We do need to take another break here on Inside Supercars, but when we return, it's Lounge Watch. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to 
be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BS Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Lachlan Mansell joining me, Craig Ravel. Guys, the Lounge Watch, the Lounge 100. Will it be this weekend, Tony? Um, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I haven't heard anything. There's an emergency commission meeting being held on Thursday, so uh, it'll be interesting to, uh, to know what's going on there. Completely changing the subject. Nice work. Lachlan? Oh. Sorry, what was what was the subject? The subject is uh, we've got to mention Craig Lowndes going for his hundredth. It oh, seems right. obligatory that we have to mention it, so I'm trying to get it out in one short segment, right. which you segued straight away from before Lachlan got a chance to talk about it. <laughs> uh, for the aforementioned reasons about it being Triple Eight's bogey track, I would have to if I had to tip one way or the other, I'd probably tip that no, he won't bring up his hundredth this mm. weekend, but. Hey, Triple Eight have a history of um, standing up and performing when people don't necessarily expect them to. So I could well be proven wrong. Well, interestingly, you're saying if you had to have a bet, because we heard out of Perth two drivers who had a bet, and they have had a phone call from V8 Supercars this week because you cannot bet on your own performance or anyone else's performance in and around V8 supercars if you're a driver, a member of a team, an owner of a team. And uh, it seems like uh, those two drivers got reminded of that this week when uh, Supercar Magazine pressed the point on, uh, on the issue. Tony, I know you have some very strong views about the amount of gambling advertising we're seeing at the moment, not just across V8 supercars, but all sports. Oh, yes, look, I, I so dislike it when someone decides that uh, betting odds are, in fact, sporting updates on what's happening with a team or a driver or any sort of sport whatsoever. You know, betting updates are purely so a company can make money. It's got nothing really to do with the sport and the speed. I mean, when I see CrownBet saying the game's changed, presenting the fact that they've put, done some alteration in their gambling odds as though they're part of the game. There's no bloody game for the gambling companies. It's a big business and a frightening big business for them. And, I, you know, I quite find it quite disgusting the way in which all these companies have got around the laws and rules of advertising so they can present their information as though that is the sports information. Lachlan, your take on the whole gambling issue inside and outside of uh, Supercars, because I know you're a loyal rugby league man and you'd be well aware of the uh, sanctions that were brought down last year to players who were betting on games. Yeah, I agree 100% with Tony on that one, especially when we're starting to see thinly veiled gambling or, or betting agency ads filtering into the coverage of rugby league or, or AFL matches where they come up at halftime and update what the odds are. Um, you know, and I think there have been some... Um, restrictions now imposed to try and at least separate it so that it's not so um, you know, made to look like part of the coverage and it is now sort of more distinctively a standalone advertisement. But as far as the V8 supercar side of things goes, um, 
yeah, the uh, the drivers, I believe it was Scott McLaughlin and Nick Perkett who were both reprimanded about what was seemingly a fairly innocuous and casual bet between the two of them about who had been front after the first lap of one of the races at Barbagallo. If it had happened just between the two of them without one of the drivers then posting about it on social media, then it probably wouldn't have been an issue and nobody probably would have even known or, or cared too much about it. But once it got onto the social media, that was where uh, V8 Supercars decided that they just had to step in and quietly remind the drivers of the code of conduct regarding gambling on racing events. Mm. Now, for full disclosure, I wrote a story on the Perth weekend about betting and the lack of regulation in betting outside of horse racing. Uh, horse racing industry has tremendous uh, legislation in all states and across the world, really. And there's things about racing, not racing it at the merit. So a horse that someone decides to pull the levers on and not let it run to its merit, that jockey, that trainer, all can find some very heavy sanctions. And, yeah. and uh, if I can complete the point, Tony, before you jump in, there's, there's a whole raft and there's a whole stewarding that's built around the fact that the betting industry is an integral part of the horse racing industry. Now, I've had many discussions, and in fact, my follow-up piece was I went and spoke to a few teams and asked them, do you counsel your team members about the gambling and like football clubs do bring people in to talk to them and, and, and warn them against the, uh, the dangers of not only gambling addiction, but also the dangers that you could lose your job. You could lose, uh, your reputation because you cannot gamble on certain things that are related to the sport. And, uh, you know, if you read my report on supercar magazine, you'll see that there was quite a wide variety of people's responses or teams responses to that. In, in full disclosure, I have run a media sweep on and off now for the last two seasons, three seasons. So it's not as if I'm a prude. I don't like gambling. No, no, it's but just it, the it, point it, of the matter is there's rules that say you can't do it. And there's also there's reasons why you can't do it because you could affect the outcome of the event. Yeah, but I mean, you know, to put your sweeps in the same uh, paragraph as, as what they're doing with gambling. Yeah, I'm sorry, you, you know, it's not in the same No, I'm case. just disclosing it for someone who might um, want to go out there and run an exclusive. The guy that ran the gambling story runs the sweeps. However, at the same time, Brendan Favola, I can't remember how many years, might have been eight years ago now, Brendan Favola made a bet with a young rookie fullback that he bet him 100 bucks that he wouldn't be playing on him at the end of the first quarter. Now, of course, if you if you look at that bet, it's a harmless bet, isn't it? If you look at the bet, 50 bucks for whoever gets round the first lap beats the other one because they're starting on the same row of the group. It's a harmless bet. But I'll tell you what, Brendan Favola had a gambling problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a that was gambling. obvious, a serious gambling problem. And here we are eight years ago seeing that he was making bets on the field against his opponents, which... I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but maybe it's flagging that this guy doesn't understand that he can't do it because it's actually illegal. It's against the rules. Yeah. Mm. Just one of the other points that I want to make too, guys, is fortunately up to this point, motorsport hasn't been tainted with the, I suppose, match-fixing controversies that we've seen in other sports, particularly cricket, where 
we think back to some of the quite well-publicised match-fixing stories that have come out over the last five or, or ten years or so. But it's not too hard to imagine a situation where a not-so-well-funded motorsport team, for example, might uh, place a bet on themselves to be the first retirement from a race for financial gain. So let's just hope that that sort of controversy doesn't uh, start to affect motorsport as well. Well, certainly that does affect motorsport. And one of the things that happened, I wrote my story on a Friday night at Perth, and I, 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 I then saw on Saturday, a team not running to their merits, they decided not to put on a good set of tyres, they decided to put on a, uh, a used set of tyres. That's not running the car at the merits when they've got brand new tyres in the shop. Now, I know that you can run the tyres whenever you like, but under the horse racing code, that would be a, a, quite a significant breach, Tony. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we, we live in a strange old world, don't we, where you know, saving one for another day and all those sort of things. Um, it, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, adjudicate for all situations and for all scenarios. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I just wish they'd uh, reduce the impact and, uh, of gambling in sport and just push it far further away in the same way that, you know, cigarettes and alcohol have been. Mm. Well, and I'm not trying to, you know, shrink the size of the advertising pool that the sport, you know, obviously needs, but, you know, it's got to appeal to other branches, not just the ones that are on the questionable side of the law. I think for 10 years, every CEO has been talking about fast-moving consumer goods, but we're just not seeing them coming in as quickly no, as everyone no, no. would like to see them. A break and then more here on Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Tony Whitlock and Lachlan Mansell. And this week we've seen a number of co-driver announcements and Chas Mostert has had his deal extended with ProDrive Racing Australia. First to you, Lachlan, and Mostert's re-signing or extension is a great sign for that team moving forward. Oh, no question about it. Chas has really established himself as one of the very talented drivers in V8 Supercars already has that fantastic Bathurst win to his credit from last year. And he's still maturing and improving as a racing driver. So he's only going to get stronger from here. So very, very smart signing from ProDrive Australia to sign him up. As far as what brand of car he might be driving into the foreseeable future, I think that's another question. There's no certainty that it will be necessarily a Ford that will see him racing. But... On the other hand, no certainty that it won't be a Ford because there's been a bit of publicity about Ford dealers getting together to maybe try and continue funding some sort of Ford operation within the V8 supercars. I can tell you that that story, which came out, uh, Auto Action were running it before Clipsal. That story, I had people telling me that the Ford Australia had quashed the dealers before Clipsal. They had told the dealers, it's not going to happen, you're not going to do it. So I don't see any merit in that story anymore. But, Tony, what's your thoughts? Well, it was the only thing that kept Alan Moffat going for a number of years, isn't it, you know? Mm. So um, I would think Rod Nash and Rusty French would be looking at all the different options and, uh, 
while Ford Australia might be sort of quashing it, maybe Penske's got a bit more clout to actually get them organised. Interestingly, though, the Ford advertising is very much geared towards trinkets, not performance. And that's what they're saying is selling cars now. So a young lady bouncing down the hallways of the dealership has got more sales pull than a race car out on the racetrack. Mm. Um, just one of the other things as well, as you mentioned, their co-driver announcements, and not really surprising to see that pro-drivers lined up Cameron Waters to being Chas Mossberg's co-driver for the Perfect Enduro Cup for the V8s this year. Last year in the Dunlop series, we saw that Cameron Waters that was fast but also um, a bit erratic and a bit error-prone this year. He's managed to um, seemingly get a lot of those errors out of his game and he is currently leading the Dunlop series. So that'll be a big test of his maturity lining up with the reigning Bathurst winner. Yeah, uh, good signing uh, for mine. That, what about you, Tom? How old is he? How old's Cam? Oh, he was 17 four years ago, wasn't he, when he first ran so at Bathurst? He may be 21. Yeah, he'd been in around that age group, so he's in a... We'll always remember... Uh, uh, I think it was his second Bathurst. It might have been his first when he spun um, just coming down into the dipper. Uh, yep, that was his right first in the first and, practice, uh, wasn't it? When uh, In no, the Shannon's the car. Um, oh, hang on. No, you're right. It was in practice. Mm. Murph actually hit the wall, but um, Cam did, had spun it, and the only time the team knew about it was when they saw it on television because his, his lap time only dropped by you know, a second or two. Barely, barely noticeable. And they saw on television that was the first they knew about it. That kid has got so much talent, and it's great to see him. And the wonderful thing is that, you know, he's stuck with the team, and they've stuck with him, and he has done, as, as, as you mentioned, Lachlan, he was erratic. But he was learning the extremities of what he had in the way of speed. I mean, you know, just every, every race this year he's qualified on the front row, and he's just got speed to burn, and now he's showing that he can bring it home, and it's fantastic to see. Mm. Lachlan, the other announcement, Gary Rogers Motorsport, they're going all international. A New Zealander and a Frenchman with Pitha signed up. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we've got Chris Pitha who will be teaming up with David Wall. Um, again, probably not too much of a surprise given how strongly Chris Pitha's been running in the Dunlop series as well. And then the Frenchman, Alex Premer, returns to drive with Scott McLaughlin uh, again, not too much of a surprise because Premer was one of the standout co-drivers in the endurance races last year. Mm. And, of course, Tony, uh, Pitha was on the verge of uh, signing up for a main game drive this year. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it's been a long way back from, unfortunately, when he drove that Team Kiwi car and had that practice crash some years ago when he was very unfairly treated um, uh, you know, yes, he ran into the side of uh, Paul Wheel, but, uh, you know, he had bugger all time to react, and uh, it's great to see that he has bounced back because he is a talented kid as well. You mentioned there uh, Alex Premer. I know that Tony saw Alex Premer probably the most recently of all of us a few weeks ago in Monza. We'll talk about that when we return on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. 
Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where Lachlan Mansell and Tony Whitlock join me. And uh, Tony, before the break, I mentioned that you headed off to Monza with Shane Van Gisbergen and, of course, uh, Jeff Slater, his engineer, to uh, see what the Blair, uh, what is it, the Blank Pains Endurance okay, Racing yeah. Series or the Blank Pain GT3 Series is all about. Yeah, and it was fabulous to go there. I mean, it was great to uh, to go and see uh, another series close up. And, uh, you know, I had time, for instance, to talk to both James O'Brien and Stefan Rattel about uh, the involvement of SRO in uh, Bathurst and the way in which they've played the role of uh, providing the parity adjustments there and uh, the move towards them moving the Sepang 12-hour from August to December to enable the European teams to stick their cars on boats in November, go to Malaysia and then come on to Bathurst. Look, the series um, is uh, got an enormous amount of uh, uh, involvement. You know, 60 cars were at uh, Monza. Uh, I think 58 started. There, there are a lot of uh, wealthy amateurs there and some of them um, paying for amateurs, but not a lot of big sponsorship on the cars. Um, I was fortunate enough to spend a lot of the time in the McLaren Works garage, uh, run by um, ex-Formula One uh, uh, McLaren Dave, or Dave Ryan, Von Ryan's Express, the racing team. And to see that up close, well, it was really interesting. I mean, um, it's probably not as professional in some ways as our own series is. Which shouldn't be which shouldn't be a surprise because V8 Supercars is one of the most professional series in the world, and uh, sometimes you need to go overseas and have a look at how the others are doing their stuff to appreciate how well they are doing it here. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, wonderful to see the Monza track. Uh, didn't get to walk the whole track, but uh, see what it was. I mean, it's obviously you know, a very old facility. Um, looking at it, you wonder how the Formula One teams are actually fit into the garages and the paddock because uh, with the GT teams there, okay, there are three times as many cars, but they don't have an enormous number of transporters for each car. But um, it, just seeing it all up close uh, was a wonderful opportunity. I was very grateful. Um, uh, and the team didn't do as well because their car was some 10, 11 k slower down the straights than the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis. Uh, young Australian kid over there, and I can't think of his name now, but... Um, Liam Talbot, wasn't Yes, yeah, 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 it did fantastically. Fastest in qualifying, fastest in the race, and then got there in the end. And, uh, yeah, he did really well. And, um, it, look, it was a, an interesting moment. Um, I made a last-minute decision to go, and, and very glad I did. When people said to me, when you went for only five days, I said, yeah, but you're sitting on a plane. It's not difficult, you know. It's not <laughs> like you've got to walk there or anything. <laughs> um, uh, so... What do you take out of it? Because V8 supercars were at a crossroads. 
they had a choice to go with a, a series that has got multiple makes. They've decided to go on what they're calling Gen 2's path. Do you see GT racing ever becoming popular in Australia to the extent that it would become a predominant category? No, unfortunately not, because you've got to realise that I suppose both in the international and our own GT3 categories, GT categories, rely on an enormous number of wealthy gentlemen who are enjoying themselves driving very expensive cars, which are, you know, get out of a shipping container, there it is, bang, you've got it, and it's all development's done. But that can't be sustained if you're going to be saying, yes, OK, this needs to have a sponsor that pays for all the, uh, the running costs. That can't happen here. Tony Quinn knows it, um, but he's got categories set up so that you've got a sprinkling of pro drivers in there to make the category fast, and lots of wealthy gentlemen, some of whom are going very well, and have developed over the last four or five years terrifically. And so that when international teams come here, in some cases, when you're running two or three drivers, you can have two really quick drivers and one fast gentleman driver. Mm. No, I don't, I can't see GT growing to that category size where it'll, you know, push V8 supercars around. Because one thing uh, we do know, Lachlan, is that GT uh, racing was in the in the uh, guns to be purchased by V8 Supercars, but Tony Quinn, uh, you know, he, Tony Quinn knew he wasn't going to get the deal he wanted from it, so he, he uh, passed. But uh, it is an interesting category, and with the different levels of endurance racing now, we're seeing Tony Quinn's going to bring his plans for the endurance series ahead one year, and it'll be starting in 2016 in Australia. Yeah, which uh, I think is very exciting because those cars are built to go long distances. But the thing about GT racing is that the cars are the stars, whereas in touring car racing like V8 supercars, it's really more about the drivers and the personalities in the sport. Um, And for that reason, they appeal to very different audiences. And it was interesting at the Bathurst 12-hour just spending a bit of time amongst the general public and seeing what sort of spectators were there at Mount Panorama. And I suppose it's a very different sort of demographic than you get attracted to the, the Bathurst 12-hour is what you get attracted to the Bathurst 1000 with the V8 supercars. Bathurst 12-hour is people who are a lot more interested, I think, in the, the cars and the technology um, probably spend a lot more time researching the sport away from the racetrack as well. They're the sorts of fans who are very um, au fait with, you know, all the the latest developments in the cars and are familiar, I think, with a lot of the drivers that are coming out from overseas, whereas the V8 supercars appeals to the more, I suppose, casual motorsport fans who, in many cases, the Bathurst 1000 is the only event that they actually attend throughout the year. Yeah, it is different, but uh, it's got its, you know, it's got its place in motorsport, and there's no doubt about that. And it's definitely got its place in Australia. Um, we need to take a break, but a final thought when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to have to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapstone family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock, a final thought from you. Oh, look, I think uh, I'm looking forward to This is only my second or third race menu for the year, going to uh, see uh, V8s, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with a lot of people, but also to, to watching firsthand the uh, category. Um, it's terrific that they've done this with the tyres. It means that Friday has some relevance to people because they can get a measure across it. Um, so I think it's, it's more fan-based now, being able to actually involve them and say, right, this is what's happening with, with everyone. So I think that's a terrific thing. Um, I'm not finding I want to watch more V8s on TV because I'm not finding I, I have a need to see any more V8s on TV, even though I don't have Foxtel. Well, I get enough. Mm. All right, Lachlan? Um, yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Obviously, it's been a lot of quite hard work in the build-up to the Winton V8 event with organising all the pre-event media and PR stuff. So the uh, the highlight to me and the thing that I'm most looking forward to is being back in the commentary box because um, I think, you know, hosting the big screen trackside uh commentary for uh, any V8 supercar event is just a, a fantastic experience and a real privilege, so bring it on. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting, and I just hope that Craig Lowndes can get a damn win because with a four-week break to the next race, I don't think I can handle Lowndes' watch any further. That's all we have time for on this week's show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.